such joyful that you're back with me today as we're studying the book of Daniel. We've been looking at background of the book and of the man and the amazing things. I want us to look at some historical facts that will help us really understand the book. And don't think this is going to be unimportant because you will understand this a lot more as we go through the book. It was in the year 605 B.C. that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He completely surrounded it. They couldn't get out of the city. They were walled in, and he was hopelessly in charge, and he could destroy them. This was in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, who was king of Judah at the time. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar didn't destroy the city at that time. He only showed his power and authority over it. He just wanted to let them know that he was in charge and he was he was conqueror of that part of the world. He didn't try to destroy the city. He didn't try to to let to just wipe down wipe its walls out and its people out. But he took some captives back with him and he took some of the vessels from the temple. But in 598 BC, he made a second invasion of the city, and this time he did not destroy it, but he took King Jehoiachin and his mother captive to Babylon along with many others. And he took more of the treasures from the temple and thousands of the people, and Ezekiel was among them. And then his third besieging of the city was in 587 B.C. Jerusalem was destroyed along with the temple and the nation. So we're particularly interested in this first trip to Jerusalem. That's what the book of Daniel is about. There may not have even been a battle because uh, as he had such a powerful army and surrounded the city... It seems they just gave up. He just walked in the city and took it over because he was so much more powerful with his army than the people of Israel. And he made some simple demands. The demands were clear. He wanted some of the valuable vessels that were in the temple. These were vessels that were made of gold, most of them by Solomon, who had built the temple many, many years before. They were sacred objects for the worship of God. And the word translated vessels could include far more than drinking containers. It refers to furniture and other equipment in the temple as well. Now, several years before this, Hezekiah, the king of of Judah, had shown these valuable objects to messengers from Babylon. And at that time, the prophet Isaiah had warned of a day when Babylon would come and actually take them. Approximately one century had elapsed since that warning and the prediction was now fulfilled. Now the second demand that Nebuchadnezzar made was for the choice young men of of the land of, of Judah to be taken back with him as captives. Outstanding young men, men from the royal line, men from the families of nobles, men who would be trained to serve in his court and in his service. Now among those young men was one named Daniel. Can you imagine something of the anguish and the heartache and the hurt? that these young men experienced as teenagers as they were uprooted from their homes and carried away by a strange king to a strange land. Daniel was to live in that land for some 70 years. He was to rise to prominence as prime minister and third ruler in the kingdom. He was to rule through several reigns of various kings, and he he had power over many, many people. And always through it all, his godliness came out. First, we need to get acquainted with this King Nebuchadnezzar. His name means Nebo protects, or the protection of Nebo, or Prince of Nebo. Nebo is one of the chief gods of ancient Babylon, along with Baal. Bel, I'm sorry. He was named for one of these gods. 
Yet Jeremiah 27, 6 said, This pagan king was God's chosen servant to punish Israel for her sins. So God used him to bring about a new discipline in the life of his people. In fact, all the people mentioned in the Bible, there is no king, no pagan king, no monarch about whom more is said than about King Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a lot given about him in the book of Daniel. I want you to also look at the king of Judah at that time, Jehoiakim. His name means the Lord will set up, the Lord will establish. His name declares that God is in charge and that he will establish his kingdom. Now, he didn't establish it through Jehoiakim because he refused to let God do that. He refused to obey God. He proved to be a very incapable king, a godless king, one who foolishly cut and burned Jeremiah's book, thinking somehow that this would upset and destroy its warnings. He also squandered state funds to build a new palace, palace for himself, and, and on and on and on. Of course, there was uh, one other main character in the book, the main character, and that's Daniel himself. Let's notice the prophetic fulfillment. The first words of verse 2, chapter 1, may seem pretty insignificant to us. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. But I want to tell you that that's most significant because God had predicted many, many years ago, in fact, 100 years before, that this very thing would take place. In 2 Kings 20, 16, 17, and 18, the prophet Isaiah says to King Hezekiah at the time that the days would come when all in his house and all that they had laid up in store would be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left. Your sons who shall issue from you shall become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. And that's exactly what happened. Everything by the time of the third siege which Nebuchadnezzar brought on Jerusalem, everything and everybody practically had been taken to Babylon. And the sons of the king, the people of the royal line, and the young people of the royal line had been taken as captives to become officials in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. These very words are also found in Isaiah 39, 5, and 7. God did exactly what he had promised he would do. His words come true. It never fail, falls to the ground. It never fails. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away. But God says, my words shall not pass away. Why did God allow a heathen king like Nebuchadnezzar, who worshipped the false gods Baal and Nebo, to take away his chosen people to be the instruments to remove the people of God from their native land and take innocent people like Daniel and those other Hebrew boys? Why did God do that? Well, because God has purpose. And God's purpose... Uh, is first of all to punish sin. He did it because of the sin and disobedience of the people. Daniel's name means God is judge, and he is judge. He judges sin. When his name is ignored and violated, divine judgment sooner or later is inevitable. We need to realize that a powerless church and indifferent people will face judgment. God had to teach them, and sometimes he has to teach us. One particular sin stands out. As they ignored and violated his commandments, it was the sin of disobedience coupled with greed. God had told them to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and they had not. God had told them to bring the tithes into the storehouse, and they had not. 
God had told him to farm the land for six years and then to let it lie un, unplowed and unused for the seventh. It was called the law of the sabbatical year, but they refused to do it. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. And I hope you have a great day. God bless you.